Uh, we're in a series uh, called Fight the Good Fight. A couple of weeks ago, we introduced this series that uh, we live in a time where everybody's fighting about everything. And it seems as though there's a lot of fighting going on that isn't really uh, about eternal things, really, really important things. And I'm not saying that they're not important, but I'm just saying I think we spend a lot more time on these things when we could be fighting the good fights, the things that are really important in our life, that have eternal significance in our life. And, and so last week we talked about fighting for community, that every one of us need community in our life. We need people who are going the same direction that we're going in, that can stand alongside of us, encourage us, and keep us moving forward in our relationship with God. Uh, and this week, I want us to shift into what it looks like to fight for the hearts and minds of our children. No matter, no matter what age your children are, they're still your children, right? Even if you have uh, grown children, they're your kids. And I don't think we ever get to a time in our life where we stop having to fight for the hearts and minds of our kids. Uh, my, I'm, I'm an adult, at least not in age. Uh, I don't always act like it, but I, I'm an adult, and my, I know my parents who are part of this church, uh, they were giving me a hard time this morning because in first service I said they hadn't been here in a few weeks and kind of backsliding a little bit, but they actually heard first service, so they showed up to second service. And... Uh, I know that my parents, even now, as a pastor of a church, they're praying for our church, they're praying for you, they're praying for, uh, for Kelly and I and for their grandkids, our kids, and you just never grow out of that. You don't. And so no matter how old your kids are, today's message is for you, and if you don't have kids, uh, then I would say, hold on, because this message is about you too. There's something that we can all learn in the process of this, and before we jump into it, I want to read our theme verse for this series. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you are God's man, so run from all of these errors. And there's a lot of errors in this world right now. Instead, chase after true holiness, justice, faithfulness, love, hope, and my favorite is tender humility. We need more tender humility in our world today. He goes on to say, fight with faith for the winner's prize. Lay hands upon eternal life to which you were called about, which you made the good confession before the multitude of witnesses. In other words, there's some things as Christ followers that we should be fighting for. Fight the good fight of the faith. That's what we ought to be. If we're going to put our time and our energy to anything, it is this fight. I'm concerned. I, I I have this uh, habit of saying, I'll be honest with you, as, as though there's a Sunday in which I'm going to stand up here and say, I'm going to lie to you this morning and tell you something that I don't believe in. Uh, no, I, if I'm being honest, like I'm really concerned about the future. I'm concerned about the future for our children, for the decisions that they're going to have to make, the choices that they're going to be faced with, that, that when I look at our culture and I look at society today, I'm really concerned about their future. And that, that has nothing to do with politics or any of that. It just, it, it's, I, I'm concerned about them growing up in what I believe to be an ungodly culture. Raising kids is one of the hardest things that you can do. 
they're faced with things that are available to them and they have access to stuff that when I was a kid, I never had. You know, my, I, my, my parents, you know, I mean, raising kids today is really, really hard. When my parents raised me, it was really, really easy. <laughs> it was really easy. It was like the perfect kid. But truthfully, and I think that they would tell you this, is raising children today in the midst of the culture, in the midst of the, the technology and everything that's available, the information that's available to us is really, really difficult. It's hard to navigate these decisions of how to parent your children in a, in a technological world and without being too overbearing, but really, being guard, really guarding the hearts and minds of your kids. It's really hard, and I want to talk about it. Next week, we're going to talk about fighting for our marriage, and, uh, and I'll probably be awkward next week for you, uh, so you can look forward to that. But, but today, I want to talk about sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. I have this affinity with a guy named Nehemiah in Scripture. He, um, he's all about restoration and rebuilding, and as I've kind of matured over the years, I mean, somewhat matured over the years in my faith and understanding and how God's wired me, one of the things that I've discovered is that uh, just in like personality and inside me, I, I am made for the, uh, the restoration of people and the restoration of organizations. And, and it's just something that I love to do. If you asked me to plan a church, I couldn't do it. I couldn't take something from scratch. But, but if you asked me to go into an existing situation and kind of turn that around, like, that's how I'm wired. And, and that's how Nehemiah is wired. He goes in and he's about the restoration and the, rest, the, the, the renovation of things. And, and I, I love how he, he talks about as, there, as the nation of Israel is being rebuilt and restored, they're coming back to this place that has been completely devastated by an ungodly culture, right? And so they're coming into it and they are rebuilding. And I love what he says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. He says, after I looked things over, I stood up, which... I don't hold a candle to Nehemiah, but, but if I could just tell you this morning that, that that's what I'm doing, I'm standing up, that, that there, as Kelly and I have come off of, uh, of a break and off of uh, a sabbatical where we've had time to just kind of process, I just, I, I, I want you to, to hear me say that, that I'm, I'm standing up and I'm, I'm sounding the alarm, if you will. He goes on to say, and he says to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, he says, don't be afraid of them. Instead, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then this is what he tells the people as they're rebuilding their nation. He says, fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So today we're going to talk about fighting for your sons and your daughters. And next week we're going to talk about fighting for your, your, your marriage, your spouse, your home. We cannot, whether we have kids or not, we cannot just stay on the sidelines and passively just let culture just run all over our children. We have to fight. 
We have to have some sort of strategy when it comes to fighting for our children, some sort of understanding and plan in place. Otherwise, culture will eat our children up. We have a generation, Generation Z. This generation was born 1997 to 2015. My years, depending on who you talk to, the years might be a little bit different. But this age group comprises of uh, 6 to 24-year-olds. There's the next generation, Generation Alpha. They're born 2015, and then they haven't really finalized the date yet, but mid-2020 sometime. And so those are the real littles in our life. But I want us to kind of focus on this age group, this 6 to 24 age group. There's 74 million of them in America alone. This age group comprises of one out of every four human beings on planet Earth. The statistics about this generation are pretty alarming. They're spending at least, if not more, than four hours a day on screens. And they are more disconnected, isolated, and depressed than ever before. Statistically, more than 60%, and there's some question as to whether or not that's higher, but 60% at least will have left the church and two out of three may not even believe in God altogether. It's headed in the wrong direction, friends, and it's on our watch. Like, we're responsible for this. At LifeHouse, what what I hope our goal is is to really see our, our students, our young people grow and into something that, that the Lord wants them to be, to understand and to discover the purpose and plan for their life. And, and it's important. The Lord's been convicting me, and I wasn't sure if this was just for, for me, as Ryan Coffey, the dad of Jacob, Claire, and Marley, or if this was a conviction that was for me, Pastor Ryan, leader of LifeHouse. And I think it's the latter, and, and it's not to say that it's not for my kids, because it is, but, but I think it's bigger than that. And I, I, there's just this sense of urgency in my life, and really in the life of how we lead this church to address this. It's why prayer is so important In fact, every Saturday morning, we gather together for prayer, and we pray for you. We pray for your families. Certainly, if you put something down on the card, we pray for your prayer requests throughout the week, but but we're also praying for this Sunday service, that when you walk onto this property, that the presence of God is here, and you feel the presence of God, but we pray for your families and your marriages. In fact, just as a little commercial, we're, we're changing our prayer time from from Saturday mornings to Thursdays at 7 o'clock, from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We always say Sunday begins Saturday morning. Now it's Sunday begins Thursday night, right? So we're already starting Thursday night to prepare for Sunday and to, and to pray for you. So if you want to join us, you're more than welcome. If you ever want to come and, and just get prayer, the prayer team would love to pray with you. But, but we're incorporating it into our worship practice, and just I won't bore you with that, but Prayer is important, and consistently praying for our families and for our kids is vital. When you look at the life of Jesus during this demographic, this age 
gap. You, we really don't get all that much. There's a couple passages of scripture where uh, Jesus is kind of taken into the temple to be uh, dedicated, and another time when he kind of runs away and goes into the temple and, and all that. But, but there's really not a whole lot in this age group. And I, I don't know if it was withheld from us because, you know, when you're a preteen and a teenager, and, and, you, and it, all of your mistakes are recorded, although Jesus didn't make any mistakes, right? And, but it's like, I don't know if I want to follow that guy as a teenager. As in a man, okay. But this verse in particular is recorded about Jesus in this, and it's from Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If you're ever looking for a growth strategy for your life, this is it. If you're looking for measurables for your home, for your kids, this is it. And I'll just kind of go through each of them real quick, and then we're going to move on to something else. The first is wisdom, which goes well beyond just intellectual knowledge and wisdom. It's really about guarding our minds. Right? We, if you were being honest with me, I've been, I'm being honest with you. If you're being honest with me, we are filling our minds with things that are not helpful. All the time. If you own a cell phone, you're, if you're on social media, if you just live and breathe, you're probably, if you're not careful and if you're not guarding yourself, you could be filling your minds with things that are not good for us. And then there's stature. He grew in wisdom and in stature, which goes beyond physically. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't about his physical stature necessarily. It's not about how many falafels he had. Uh, yeah, that's about the response I got in first service. I, th- I was hoping, you know, based upon the first joke, that you guys would be a little bit more in tune with that. It was like, it's like geographically accurate, the, the joke is. It, I could have said donuts, but that, he didn't have donuts. You guys know what a falafel is? So that's funny. No, this is about character. It's about what's going on on the inside. That he would grow in, and I believe one of the best ways to grow in stature is to develop in our disciplines. What it is to be in the Word of God, what it is to be in prayer, what it is to be a part of a faith community in a church. And, and that when we are disciplined in those things, we begin to grow together in stature. And, uh, and I, I, I'm just curious, like how many of you like, I grew up going to the church. Like, I, my parents were pastors in Roseburg, Oregon. And, and since I can remember, I went to church on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, on Wednesday night. I mean, we were going to church. When we stopped doing Sunday night church, it was like the apocalypse was happening and people were freaking out. But, but we went to church a lot. In fact, my, my uh, kids pastor, when I was growing up, always said, you're going to write a book one day. It's going to be the life of a pastor's kid, and then the tagline's going to be sleeping in the pews or something along those lines. And my kids are going to probably write the sequel to that of, of waking up before dawn on Sunday or something. I don't know. But, but I was there all the time. But you know what it did? It, it created a discipline in me. And you say, well, you're the pastor of the church. You kind of have to go to church. It's your job. And, and I would just encourage you that this is actually, I know you might disagree with this, but, uh, but I don't view this as my job. I don't. 
This is my church. This is my faith community. This is the people. Like, I like doing life with people here. I like, like, this is, if we weren't the pastors, we would be going to church. And I think we'd go to this church unless I didn't like the pastor, and then we'd go find another church. But, <laughs> but we, we would go to church because it's a discipline in our life. I remember going to church, and I, I had the same Sunday school teacher. And how many of you have ever had, like, if you grew up in the church, going to church, how many of you had a Sunday school teacher that you can look back on, and you remember her, and she made a, her, I say her, because back then, I, mine was a woman, but he, her or him, that you could just say, I remember that person, and they made a difference in my life. Just like, raise a hand. Like, you would say, yeah, that was me. Okay, so anybody, anybody know the name of their Sunday school teacher? Just kind of blurt it out. Scott. Scott. Okay, what? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, nice. Okay, somebody else? Wes. Wes. Okay, somebody else? Brian. Brian. All right. These are people who so faithfully served and made a difference in your life because you came to church, you showed up. It was a discipline goes on and says, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, goes on to say that he had favor with God, which goes beyond just spiritually, but, but really understanding what his purpose was on this earth. And I think for us as Christ followers, it's so important for us to not just understand the mission that he's called us to, but understand the purpose by which he's called us. And then favor with man, which goes beyond social interactions. It's it's our friends. Who are we hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? Is it a positive? Who's your community that we talked about last week that's, that's helping you through this life? I was telling my wife the other day, uh, or I was actually using this as an example in first service. Uh, we have some friends. I'm not going to name their names. Um, because this is a little embarrassing for them, but uh, they don't live here. But we were all hanging out with them, with our kids and, and our friends, and they don't have kids, so they don't know how to talk around kids in this environment. And she said, the wife said something pretty inappropriate. And I've always used this tagline uh, that I stole from another pastor, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, and so we tell our kids that all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And we were hanging out with our friends, and she says something inappropriate, and my son looks over to me and says, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. <laughs> I'm like, you don't understand. I'm an adult. You don't, I, no, like, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Listen, this isn't going to be very popular, but, but parents, choose your kids' friends for them. <laughs> and there's kids in the room going, uh, n- No. I'm serious. Choose your kids' friends. Like, know who your kids' friends are. Who are they hanging out with? Because whoever they're hanging out with may determine their future. So I've, I've felt this urgency and this conviction that during our sabbatical, it was like the Lord just kept coming back to the future. It was like, God, what do you want to show me during this time? And and every time it, it seemed like the Lord was saying, I'm not so much concerned with right now as much as I'm concerned with what the future holds. And I believe that if we keep doing the same things that we've always done, we will get the same results. 
And so what does the future of Lifehouse look like when it comes to our children, when it comes to our lives? How are we going to parent our kids? How are we going to raise them? And if you have kids that are grown adults and you feel like it's too late, it's never too late. It's never too late. I want to share with you what's happening down the hall every single Sunday. This isn't just child care that we provide here at Lifehouse. We don't. You can get a babysitter. You can check your kids into daycare. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But that is different than what is taking place down that hall. We have some very specific and intentional things that we are working on from the time that they're babies all the way until they step out of the way, which is our preteen ministry. This in no way abdicates your role as a parent. We are not the spiritual leaders of your children. You are. And bringing your kids for an hour and a half every Sunday let's be honest, it's not every Sunday, isn't going to ultimately accomplish what you're hoping it will accomplish. But it can help. And we can come alongside and we can equip and we can work with you in conjunction to what it is that you're doing in your kids' lives. Let me share with you what Lifehouse Kids Ministry leaders and just want to say, I know we've had a transition with Pastor Julie to Liz, and Liz is just doing a great job. She's doing a great job. She's got a team of people around her that are helping her, and they have some things that they want your children to have instilled in them by the time they step and, and move up from the way into next gen, and it's this, that they want your children to have engaging praise and worship. And what I'm about to share with you in all of these instances doesn't mean that we are executing them to the best of our, uh, like we're executing them to the best of our ability. It doesn't mean we've arrived. We are continually working on this and trying to get better in this. But engaging praise and worship that we want your children to understand why we worship. And let's be honest, that's what we want for you. We want you to know why you are, why do we sing songs on Sunday mornings, right? Why, why do I need to be there on time to engage into this worship? Well, part of it is it's, there, it, worship is like this spiritual weapon that exists in our life that brings joy and enthusiasm. It helps reconnect us from a hard week into the presence of God. We want your kids to understand that. We also realize, and I know this is being rolled out and communicated, is that in order for your kids to have friends at their grade level, we would need to have like these smaller, consistent small groups, life groups, if you will, with consistent life group leaders, small group leaders of your kids. And with that comes some expectation. So right now, we only have uh, LH kids in second service. We have it in first service on a limited capacity for our dream team, those who are serving second service, so they can come first service. But our goal is to have Lifehouse Kids Ministry both services. But since 2020, we have not been able to have the 
the dream teamers to be able to pull that off yet. But when we do, when we have it both services, we are committing this to you, but we are also asking that you do something for us, and that is to pick which service that you're going to be a part of and bring your child to that service. Be consistent with it. And the reason why is because we want to give you love and relationship with the child in the group. We want a connection that goes beyond just child care that we're equipping you as a parent, but we're also equipping your child. The other thing that we need from you is to be on time, which I know I, that sounds like super parenty and lame and like you're in trouble. And you are. We need you to be on time. You say, well, why do I need to be on time? What's it matter? It matters because what we're doing is not just dropping kids off so that we can go hear the real message. We're actually engaging your kids into praise and worship. And if you're late getting your kids there, they don't get to be a part of worship. And guess what you don't get to be a part of? Worship. And worship is an important, vital part of our time together. So we're asking that of you and, and we promise and commit to be intentional with your children. I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to do this because I don't do this, but I'm going to break my rule because I, I'm not, I don't ever beg people to be a part of any of the dream teams that were here. It's, you, there's a process. We have newcomers. We have connection. You go through that. You hear from the Lord, and that's the part that we want you to serve in, but can I just tell you, if you're not involved in an aspect of, of a dream team here on a Sunday morning, get involved with that ministry. And the reason why is because that ministry will change the future. It's not to say that the other ministries we have here aren't important, but I can't think of any more important situation that if we are saying, I don't really like the direction of our world right now and the culture of our world right now, you know where to start? With our kids. We feel really helpless in how we change the, the existing culture, but we change it by beginning to spend time and helping them understand the truth of God's word. There's a lot of this age demographic are not reading God's word. We're going to be about memorizing God's word. Your kids are consistently, every month, going to have a memory verse. And that, even, that goes from, from babies all the way up to fourth grade. And if your baby's not memorizing scripture right now, shame on you. <laughs> no, the, the scripture for, for your baby is for you to speak over them. Because words are powerful. We either speak words of life or we speak words of death. And we have this ability to be able to speak the truth of God's word over our kids. And then prayer. Prayer is this element of understanding the power and the role that it plays in your children's life. That when they're dealing with fear or anxiety or they get into middle school and they don't know how to respond, that they understand how to pray. That there's age-specific learning that the lesson is customized in their age group so that by the time they get to the way, right, they are, they're our preteen ministry, they are able to know how to use the Bible, like find scriptures in the Bible. They understand the, the role of the Trinity in their life. I don't know what you're thinking. You're like, I don't even understand the role of the Trinity in my life. 
that's what we're doing. Your kids are smart. They can understand it. And going back to prayer, you know, it's not just that we want them to understand the role of prayer in their life. We want our kids to understand what it means to be still and listen to the voice of God. And you're thinking, if you can get my kid to be still, I'll just give you whatever money, like, like just get them to be still. They can. They can. And then finally, this is super important, is their identity. That they know that they are created, that they are loved, and they are seen by God. That they know that they are loved by his people. Identity is so important to understand the truth of who they are so they can actually live their life on mission. Our preteen group is about asking bold faith questions and taking bold faith actions. Right? It's stepping out in a culture that's, that's coming at them and being bold about that. It's about authentic faith. But what happens when they go from the way, from their preteen ministry, and they move up into next gen? What, what's that look like? Right? Because the way that we do things here are a little bit different. And I want to share with you my philosophy of how we are coming at this, that, that we are intentional from the time we have your baby all the way until they're 24. Like we are intentional in this pipeline, this generational advancement and growth of their faith. But before I get to that, I want to tell you where we've been. And not just us at Lifehouse, but, but really historically the church, what not, not what we're doing, what we've done. And then I'm going to talk about what we're doing. What we've done in the past is the traditional model, which you might be more familiar with, which is you have a junior high youth group, a high school youth group, and then a college and career youth group. And they're kind of siloed into individual ministries and, and all of that. And um, may, maybe some of you know or don't know, but I was a youth pastor for five years. And uh, I co-led with another leader, another pastor, and we had a massive youth group. We had a youth group of over 100 kids. That, that was good. That's good. Like, yeah, good child. That's amazing. Right? Over 100 kids. And, and we, it, it was a cool youth group. It was fun. We did all of the stuff. We had the skate ramps, and we had Xboxes in our youth room, and, and we had uh, the fun games, you know, the games that I'm talking about where you, uh, you take a Happy Meal and you blend it up in a blender, and then uh, you see which kid can drink it the fastest, you know, that kind of stuff, and you give them prizes of, of just saying, good job. Like, they don't even get anything for it, but they do it. Like, if I was a youth pastor today, I'm definitely in prison. Definitely. Like, we did stuff that, like, you know, we kidnapped a kid one time and threw him in the back of it. I mean, it was bad. So, I think there's a statue of limitations on this, so I'm really hoping that that's the case. But it was fun. We had the lights and the music, and it was great. And I'm still friends with a lot of the kids that were in my youth group and, and how we used to do it in the traditional model. But can I tell you that the majority of kids that I'm friends with that were a part of my youth group are no longer in church, and some of them aren't even walking with the Lord. They had a good time. 
They did. And there were some, a few, who maybe went a little bit deeper and, and maybe were a part of an internship program or something along those lines. And those, those ones actually are leading churches and, and are in ministry today. And, and so there's at least a little glimpse of fruit. And I didn't waste five years of my life. But I will say that the, the amount of fruit that I was hoping to see in five years of ministry came up really short which confirms the statistics of what we know that 60 to 70%, seven out of 10 walk away from the church when they graduate from high school. Greg Kinnaman wrote a book called You Lost Me, and he says this, churches, organizations, and families owe this generation more. They should be treated as the intelligent, capable individuals they are, a generation with a God-given destiny. Renewed commitment is, requiring, is required to rethink and realign disciple-making in this new context. These young believers need better, deeper relationships with other adult Christians. They require a more holistic understanding of their vocation and calling in life and how their faith influences what they do with their lives from Monday to Saturday. And also, they need help discerning Jesus' leading in their life, including a greater commitment to knowing and living the truth of Scripture. We have to rethink the way that we've been doing things. If we continue to do things the way that we've always done it and the way I always, we're going to continue to get the same results. And so we are, we're rethinking that. I'm not saying that we've got it all figured out. I'm not saying that we're executing this philosophy to the best of our ability. We are doing our best, but I'm not saying there's not room for change. Like we're looking at how do we tweak it? How do we make it better? But these are the things, these are kind of the markers that I really felt like the Lord was putting on my heart and, and again, discerning whether or not this is just for my kids or for your kids as well, all of our kids. And it's this, is that when they move up from the way into next gen, that they're going to be taught what it means to have an authentic faith, a personal faith. A lot of the reason why kids walk away from the church and from the Lord after high school is because their faith has only been determined by you. We want them to have a personal relationship with Christ, that they have spiritual priorities, that they prioritize their spiritual life over their social life. They have more, not to say that they can't have a social life, but moral boundaries, meaningful friendships, that they know how to make wise choices and how to seek God for wisdom in those choices, how to put other people first. And how to understand what God-given authority is. Like I said, we're learning how to do this. We're tweaking things all the time. We haven't arrived completely in this. But what I'm talking about is something that is very different. And we know that. We know that that's a hard pill to swallow to think that we would have a next-gen ministry that goes from the age of 12 all the way to 24. And you have an issue with that most likely if your kid is 12. Right? I understand that. I, I recognize that there are some who, who realize that my kid is growing up and I'm not sure I want them in a, in a ministry with, with 24-year-olds. You know how old I was when I started leading 
the ministry in Spokane, Washington. I had a hundred, you know, middle school and high school students, middle school, just like your kids. You know how old I was? 22. And all the wisdom of the world. I was so smart. I knew, I knew, I had all the answers for these kids. I did. No, of course I didn't. Of course I didn't. I, I understand the hesitation. I, I get that. I'm a, a parent of a 12-year-old. But can I just encourage you this morning that your kids know more than you think that they know. If your kids have social media, if they have access to a phone or a digital device, if they're in school, I understand there's a level of, of protection and stuff that we can uh, utilize in homeschooling. But if they're in school, Christian school, public school, it doesn't matter, right? The difference is chapel. But I'm telling you that the existence of knowledge and the things that they're talking about is well beyond. And I'm not trying to, to say that you don't know, but they, but they are discussing things that are adult conversations at 12 years old. I just heard a story uh, just this last week, and I don't know all the details. I don't know who put out this information, but uh, one of our local middle schools here in Stone Oak uh, has, has a dance coming up or had a dance coming up. I'm not sure exactly, but, but at least among the, the students, there was conversation about rules about the dance, and the rules about the dance was there was no, going to be no same-sex couples at the dance and that there was going to be no cross-dressing at the dance, that, that there was, these are, these are the kinds of conversations that are being had at school and, and the pressure for, um, uh, the, the pressure of the culture is being infused in our kids in, in YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. They're not even on Facebook. If you think, you're like, I know, I'm, water, I'm watching my kids on, on Facebook. They're not on Facebook anymore. Chances are they know more than you think that they do. And I think it's, we do a disservice if we say, well, my kid's just not old enough yet to go to that. And I, I would just say, man, that's exactly when they need to be there. Because they're going to learn authentic faith. They're going to learn what it is to have a moral life. The difference between the truth and the lie like they're going to they're gonna grab hold of these things at a younger age. Our next-gen students, they want interaction. They want people to talk to them. I know that they go off into their room and they don't spend a lot of time with you as a parent, maybe. I don't know how it is in your home. But, but they actually do, when you engage them, want to talk with you. They want you to believe in them. Can I encourage you to make this a priority in your kid's life? If you're uncomfortable having your 12-year-old come to NextGen, I happen to know that they have tables there for parents to come sit and observe and see what's going on, to hear the content. I know they do their best to kind of break them up into small groups, have discussion, and we're still navigating that and working some of that out. But but listen, it is important to develop a discipline in your children's life. They're still your kids. Even if they're 17 years old, they're still your kids. 
Take out your phones, write this down. I want to get this on your calendar, November 7th. November 7th. On November 7th, we are going to have uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman, a Christian psychologist. He's authored a lot of books, a lot of books. One is Have a New Kid by Friday, uh, which also could be a, a marriage book maybe, but... Um, also have a teenager by Friday. Uh, you, you guys didn't get the joke. It's a, it's a little of a, of a deeper joke, right? Like marriage, have a new kid by Friday. You know, uh, you, get, you know what day Mother's Day is, right? It's nine months after Father's Day. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's how next week's going to go, just FYI. Just a little glimpse. My wife's like, I am not coming to church. <laughs> uh, Dr. Dr. Lehman's going to be, um, he's going to be in both of our Sunday morning services on the 7th, and then Sunday evening, we're going to have tables set up in here. He's going to share for about 40 minutes, and then he's going to give the opportunity, kind of a question and answer thing, where you get to ask questions of him. And then on Monday morning, we're kind of doing this uh, in conjunction with C3 Businessmen. We are doing a business breakfast here with Dr. Lehman, because uh, he has a book called The Way of the Shepherd. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, for a church our size, to get Dr. Lehman in, uh, is very rare. And uh, typically, it's, he's not available, first of all. And if he is available, it's for much larger churches. And I just want to say this is a huge privilege. And I don't know how to say it any differently than that. And you're going to really want to make note of it because he will help you in how to parent your kids. He will help your marriage. It'll be amazing. I can't train all of you on kids' ministry next-gen ministry. I can't, I can't force you to serve down that hall or even come on Sunday nights to next-gen. But what I can do is I can give you a tool, and if you're here and you don't have kids, uh, I would just say, well, you do have kids because we have kids. We are family here. We have kids in our church, and, and those, we're all responsible for that. And, and so, but I do want to leave you at least with a tool that if you, when you walk out these doors and you go to a restaurant, you can use this tool. <laughs> when, um, say hi. Uh, when you go to work tomorrow, you can use this tool. And certainly as a family, as parents, you can use this tool with your kids. And that is the tool of your words. Your words. Our words have the power of life. They have the power of death. And you say, well, what does that even mean? Power of life and death. Like, what are you talking about? I'll just give you one example. And, and this is not like we're not um, parents of the year or anything, but every now and then we get it right. And uh, this last week, uh, my daughter, who, my youngest daughter who's in dance, Marley, uh, they were getting ready to learn a new dance. And and they played the song that they were going to be dancing to. And to be honest with you, like, we're not those parents that are like, it's worship music only in our home. You, can, you can't ever listen to any secular music. But we do care about the lyrics that are being spoken. And there's been times where we've struggled with, 
you know, some of the dance music because it's, you know, the innuendos and some of that. And we're like, ah, we have to have a conversation with her. But this was different this time around. And, and even she felt like as she was uh, hearing the song for the first time, she's like, I don't, that doesn't sound right. And so she came home and she shared it with her mom. And as soon as her mom heard it, she was like, ah, I don't feel good about this. Let's play this for your dad. They played it for me. And immediately I was like, I think it sounds okay. No, <laughs> I was like, no, I was, I was like, this, this is, this, there's no, no. And you're like, well, what did it say? See, that's the problem. I don't know what it was saying. But I'll tell you that the song in of itself is a remake of an old arrhythmic song that I did know. And the lyrics aren't that great. But there was this portion at the beginning that was a part of the dance that was like this chanting or something along those lines. And it was unintelligible. And, and I, I even Googled the song and the artist. And, uh, and so that's why, if you check my web history, that's why I'm Googling these artists is... And I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find what the lyrics, what was being spoken, and it just didn't sit right. And so Kelly had to email her teacher, her dance teacher, and just say, I'm sorry, Marley's going to have to sit this one out. We're not asking you to change the song. We're not trying to be those parents, but we're just saying, I don't want my daughter every single Tuesday and Thursday to be in a room having those words spoken over her when I don't know what they are. That's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about our words. We'll either speak words of life or words of death. And I would argue that probably for the majority of us in this room, we would just say, Holy Spirit, convict us of the words that we've spoken to our kids. Forgive us for these wasted opportunities where we had the time to speak to our kids and to, to, to encourage them and to speak words of life, and we, we didn't. We didn't take it. Convict us of those, Lord, but then give us the strength to step into better, to more. Jesus, when he's dealing with children, the disciples, people are bringing their children to Jesus at this point, and and they want Jesus to bless them. He want, they want him to lay hands on them, pray for them. And, and the disciples are annoyed by it. And I, I kind of, I get it. If you've ever flown on a plane with a screaming child, you understand the annoyance. But there's something of the compassion and, and the lesson of Jesus that we learn. Because the disciples are saying, get your kids out of here. He's got more important things to do. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, no, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is uh, God like a little child will never enter it. In other words, we should be just like these children. And then he takes these children in his arms, he places his hands on them, and he blesses them. And in the Greek, it means that he spoke well of them. If we can get our words right, we can change the world. If we can get our words right, we can change your world. When you begin to speak words of life, everything changes around you. Let me just give you some, some ways in which we can speak words of life, and then we're going to do something to close our time out. The first is praise. We can speak words of praise. I'm not talking about our praise to God. I'm talking about the qualities inside them. Tell your children uh, what they are, not what they aren't. 
Proverbs 25.11 says, Words spoken at the right time are like gold apples in a silver setting. They're beautiful and they're valuable. Number two, speak words of thanksgiving. Say thank you to your kids. Stop complaining about your kids and thank God that you have them. I, want, I would do anything in the world for my kids, but I do want my kids to be grateful. So say thank you every now and then, kids. Psalm 127.3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Words of affection, say I love you. I'll be honest with you, I'm much better at saying I love you than showing affection. That's I, I, something that I'm asking the Lord to work out in me. But I'm, I'm, I'm decent at saying I love you to my kids, but I'm not always great at giving them hugs. Do both. Matthew 3.16 is an example, one of two examples where the father, the greatest father of all, speaks words about his son, and he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen, our kids, they want acceptance, affection, and affirmation. Everyone wants acceptance, affection, and affirmation. When you go to lunch today, yes, you're, you're tipping a, a waiter or serve staff, but you know what? They want acceptance. They want you to say thank you to them. They want encouragement. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. And number five, kindness. This culture has gotten vile, and there's no place to be mean. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Can I call this church to a place of kindness? Lord, forgive me for words that I've spoken to my kids that were not kind. Listen, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. If you're full of God, you should be full of kindness. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And if you don't have kindness, you find yourself angry all the time, can I just encourage you to have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come with that. And then the best words that we can speak is this last one, and it's prayer. I'm asking you, if you call Lifehouse your church home, uh, we decided that when we came back from sabbatical, we're not messing around anymore. Like if you call Live House your church home, if you call me your pastor, can I encourage you to pray for your children and not just pray for them for the next three days. I'm going to challenge you to lay hands on your kids and pray for them. And you're like, I've never done that before. Well, you're about to. You can hear them screaming in the welcome center right now. <laughs> it, I feel like there's about a mutiny that's about to happen. And we're going to have the opportunity today to pray because I recognize some of you have never, maybe prayed at bedtime prayers, but never laid hands on your kids and blessed them and prayed for them. When Jesus was just a few days old, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined. Your kids are destined to something great. We prayed their destiny over them. It's the fulfillment of their heart. And so I want us to do that this morning. I'm going to invite our kids to come in. And it's going to be a little controlled chaos. It's, you know, but it's okay because this is super important. The kids are going to line up on the sides here all around. And because it's second service, they're going to be kind of all around here. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. And this is what you're going to do. As your kids come in, you're going to be looking for your kids as they walk in the room, and then I want you to leave your seat, and I want you to go stand by your kids. I want to put your hand on your kids. Listen, for some of you who have older next-gen students, 
uh, that might not be coming in with Kids Church, if they're sitting next to you, I want you to lay hands on them. If they're serving in some capacity, go find your next-gen kid. And they're going to say, oh, I, I don't want you to do that. I'm not asking, I'm telling. If I'm your pastor, then I love you, I care about you, I believe this is the best for you. And so you're going to lay hands on your, on your student. If, you're, if you have an adult child and they're not here today, like an adult child meaning like not that they act like a child, but like, like your kid is, is not here this morning, but you're like old enough to have an adult child, get out your phone, text them, and say, I just want, want you to know I'm praying for you and I love you. That's it. Just text them that way. So go ahead, find your children that are tied up by green things. And I want you to just, like, if we need to spread out, we can take the back of the room. This is going to take a few minutes, just FYI. If you don't have someone that's little that belongs to you, I'm going to encourage you to extend your hand this way. If, you, if you're a part of our prayer team, if you're a part of our prayer team, uh, if, there's, if there's anyone that's a single mom uh, that you could just raise your hand and say, would you come agree with us in prayer? Not that you're not capable as a single mom, but just to have the support in the midst of that. I think that's super important. This is going to be fun. If you're new to our church, you're like, this church is crazy. We didn't used to be, but we are now. That's what three months off will do to, to you. Yeah. All right. So this is Marley. She's super happy. She, of all of our kids, she's the most uh, upfront and stage worthy. And in a minute, when I start praying, we're going to go to our least, uh, which is Claire. She like, even though she's on stage, she despises attention, but she's a pretty good bass player. So, so we're going to pray. And if you've never done this before, listen, listen for the words. It's, I'm not eloquent in my language. It's just simple. It's just talking to the God. It's, it's just talking to God and praying blessing over them. And listen, uh, after we're done, the worship team's going to lead us in a song that is a prophetic song. And I understand this is going to get crazy if your kids are like, if they're done, like you can, you know, take them out there. But can I just encourage you as you see the words up on that screen, on this screen, that you speak those words of blessing over your kids. Let's do that together. Father, we thank you for, for our children. They are a gift from you. And Lord, we recognize that in all of these situations, everybody's kind of, it's, late, it's getting close to lunch and we're like, I'm done. I got to get out of here. But God, we, this is so important that as, as parents that we care for and love on our kids in a way that leads them and guides them into your ways. God, for those who don't have children but are a part of Lifehouse Church, God, I pray that we would have in us the, the wisdom to teach our children, to come alongside parents who, who need help in this, that we would be a community of people who has parents are learning together what it's like to 
love and pastor our children in our homes. God, we love our kids and we pray blessings. God, each one of these kids has a destiny. If, if there's people watching online right now, grab your kids, lay hands on them, pray for them. There is a destiny that is beyond what the culture will dictate to them. It is something greater and more fulfilling than anything that the world can offer to them. So we, we speak words of life and hope and healing over any amount of brokenness or hurt that might exist. Any identity issues, Lord, we, we speak only the identity of you in their life. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, amen.